What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of Clee Talk, presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. I am your host, Bob. As always, I'm hanging out, talking my favorite hometown Cleveland sports with my older brother, Chris. Chris, what's going on, man? Bob, unlike other people, I'm just going to say this to your face. I I don't want to be in your shadow anymore. I've got a list of four Mm. podcasts that I would like for you to uh, send me to. And, uh, you know, let's try to get a deal done sometime in the next few weeks here. Because I I think I can be the man on my own without you. And I I would just think it's better for both of us if if you try to uh, look up one of these four podcasts and... uh, you know, just we'll part ways. Well, see, you're you're the older brother, so I'm the little brother that should be trying to to get out of of your shadow. You you you've surpassed me, man. You you've surpassed me. Uh, I can't take it. Okay. I just can't take it, man. Well, That's why I want to get out of your shadow. I'm the older brother. <laughs> I've got dreams. <laughs> I want things. You're my little brother, yeah. Bob. You you're taking care <laughs> of me. How do you think that makes me feel? Yeah, we'll try. We'll try and work out a deal. I guess. I mean, this is kind of odd timing as we record a podcast. But hey, hey, um, I, I'm not going behind your back to our producers or anything. I'm saying this to your face. I, th- that's I true. think that I that's important. That I think that's sure. important. Yeah, I can definitely respect that. Well, we that's a little uh, poking fun at the the most pressing recent urgent news out of the Cleveland Cavaliers camp that. Kyrie Irving has uh, formally demanded a trade with Cavs ownership. He wants out of Cleveland, is tired of being number two to LeBron's number one, uh, and that demand has been leaked over the week and has been confirmed and reported by multiple sources. Uh, So it it seems all but likely. Uh, Apparently Kyrie Irving, this isn't uh, out of the blue. This has been a slow build of either subtle hints or, or formal requests, but uh, now it's in the public's hands and has been confirmed by just about everybody. Kyrie Irving wants out of Cleveland. Chris, uh, just when you thought that the Cleveland, this offseason for the Cavaliers couldn't get more bizarre or more depressing, uh, this bombshell drops at the end of the NBA offseason. Uh, what, what are you making of it? Well, there are a lot of different ways to answer that question. Let's just start with the big one. Like everyone in Cleveland, we should all be collectively worried that the the light at the end of that tunnel, it's not another championship. It's it's the train. This thing is about to crash and burn. And and honestly, I, I really don't see the the only scenario I see the Cavs coming out of this a better team with and when I say better I still mean overwhelming favorites to win the east solid favorites to to win the championship number two contender to Golden State the only way I see it is if this is just a Kobe Bryant situation that Kyrie Irving is just angry about the loss frustrated because remember, Kobe Bryant in 2007 went on a radio station and, if I recall it correctly, was almost in tears wanting to be traded from L.A. Or maybe he was in tears afterwards when he backtracked from it. I don't remember exactly all the details. This was 10 years ago. But we all remember what happened. He, he asked for a trade. It got really shaky. There was a deal in place, it came out later, to send him to Phoenix 
And then he had a change of heart. They worked it out, and they got to the NBA Finals that year. They made another deal to add Pau Gasol, and, and, and the rest is history. They go on to win two more championships. So hopefully that happens, that that people get in a room, whoever needs to get in a room, get in a room and just work this thing out because I, I don't see the Cavs coming away winners if they actually pull the trigger on a trade involving Kyrie Irving at this point in the season. Yeah, I mean, there, there are a lot of things that, that I want to touch upon uh, with, with this situation, but let, let's talk about that first. I mean, the, the, every when, when you look at it from every angle, I, I don't see a way to, to look at Kyrie Irving in a positive light in this situation. Um, and, and what you're referring to, you know, any deal that the Cavs make at this point, if they're going to move him before the, the tip-off of the, of the NBA season, is that he... Re- the demand is at its loudest and as at its most public essentially at the end of the off season, all the deals have been made. All the players have been signed. All the trades for, for the big names have been made. Uh, if this were news a month and a half ago, you know, we could be talking about uh, Chris Paul, Paul George, Jimmy Butler, the guys that the stars that got moved, the Cavs essentially w- would be able to, to get any of those guys, I mean, the, a point guard was at the focus of all three of those deals, uh, and Kyrie Irving is head and shoulders better than any of those point guards that were involved in those deals by, by a long shot, is under a, a very uh, favorable contract for, for two more years. I mean, they could have swung a much better deal if the timing of this were earlier in the offseason. I agree with you. I mean, this late in the game, where those moving pieces have already been dealt, uh, it, it's going to be hard for the Cavs to get a hundred percent value return uh, for Kyrie Irving in terms of win now assets. Now they can certainly move him for a ton of draft picks. Uh, that's one way to almost guarantee that LeBron James leaves next summer. Uh, but if they want to win now and basically turn Kyrie Irving into uh, uh, revamping the roster to to attack and win the Eastern Conference again, uh, it, it's going to be really hard, and it's going to take some uh, really favorable offers from from other teams at this point. Yeah, I mean, you you summed it up best. If this had happened four to six weeks ago, quietly, if the Cavs put Kyrie Irving on the deal table, they probably get Paul George in some three team or straight up trade. Uh, they get Paul George. Paul George would be on the Cleveland Cavaliers right now if they put Kyrie Irving on the table. No doubt in my mind, Jimmy Butler would be on the table uh, on the Cavs right now if they put Kyrie Irving on the table. Uh, even if it's a three-way trade with Minnesota or something like that, I don't know. I, I, Kyrie Irving would have netted a big-time free agent, superstar level. Heck, straight up for Chris Paul, sign and trade it. I mean. And maybe the Cavs have to throw in Shumpert or something to make the salaries line up. But, you know, now you've got, you know, two of the four banana boat crew back in Cleveland. And, and maybe that, you know, would 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 kind of inspire Dwayne Wade and, and Carmelo Anthony to just seek a buyout or something. I don't know. But you're right, Bob. I mean, a, a lot of avenues are just closed to Cleveland right now. I don't see, unless they can work the ultimate magic trade. I, I just don't see how the Cavs win by moving Kyrie Irving. I, I think the best case scenario is for them to save face and just have everyone work it out. 
Uh, but but who knows if that that will happen? Yeah, I mean, for for it not to just be that Kyrie Irving wants to trade, but he wants to trade because he cannot, he does not want to play alongside LeBron James, and, and has made that reason public. Uh, and now there's even a, a rumor that the reason the public knows about this is because of LeBron's camp leaking that. Now that's getting into some serious rumor uh, gossiping, which you know we're, we're not going to hear the end of until Kyrie is moved, and then it's just going to warp into LeBron leaving in the off season. Uh, this is the, our fate for the next year, talking about these what if scenarios with the Cavs. Um, but the fact that there's that locker room tension. I can't imagine that Kyrie Irving is going to be in a Cavs uniform at, at tip-off. It, I mean, I know that's best-case scenario for, for Cleveland's success if they work it all out and even operate at 70% chemistry. They're still as constructed a, a favorite to win the Eastern Conference. But, Chris, I mean, do you, what what is your prediction of the outcome? Is Kyrie going to be in a Cavs uniform for the start of the season? That's a very tough question because – Right now, the Cavs' options are very limited because of the rule that recently signed players cannot be traded until December or sometimes January uh, per you know bargaining agreement, stuff like that. So one trade that's been floated is Kyrie for Wiggins and Jeff Teague, which I think would be a solid trade for the Cavs. It, it might actually be a great save face option. Problem is, Jeff Teague, you, know, you can't exactly move him right now. So if the Cavs want to maximize their return for Kyrie Irving, they almost have to wait until December to trade him unless they get the perfect offer in the form of, you know, I I don't know. I mean, there's so many things going out there, but if somehow Bledsoe and Carmelo Anthony wind up on the Cavs, I think that's probably as good as you're going to get. And I don't know if that's feasibly possible given what you would have to ask Phoenix to swallow to make that trade happen. So there aren't many scenarios right now for the Cavs to maximize their return on Kyrie Irving. So they almost have to wait till December. Now, let's just remember a couple things. Kyrie Irving is under contract for two years. No player option. Now, now there's player option for 2020, but the next two years, he's on the team. He doesn't have as much pull as LeBron James right now. He doesn't have these kind of no-trade clauses. So the Cavs don't have to honor his request. Now, it makes it harder if the team getting him wasn't on that list. They'd have to sell themselves to him a little bit. But the Cavs don't have to honor that request. I I do think that Kyrie Irving will be on the Cavs roster come tip-off. It'll be interesting to see how long he remains on the Cavs roster because I don't think the Cavs will be able to get a deal together until they are able to go after guys who signed this offseason. Yeah, uh, just from from what I have seen and read and heard, uh, it seems like Melo is somewhat available, Eric Bledsoe is somewhat available. Uh, if they're able to trade Kyrie and some contracts, get enough assets from one of those teams plus one of those players to, to flip for the second player, that would be worth it. Other than that, I agree with you. December 5th is when most of the free agent contracts will become available. That's just um, essentially a a month and a half into the NBA season. I could see them having a handshake agreement uh, sometime in August to say, hey, Minnesota, we're going to trade Kyrie to you once Jeff Teague becomes available and and you're going to throw in some more pieces. Hopefully that that includes Andrew Wiggins. I think that would be 
a great deal. Um, but yeah, man, the timing of it is just, is, is absolutely terrible and awful. Uh, I can't, uh, I mean, Chris, not, not only is the timing terrible, but this sets up Kyrie Irving up to be the scapegoat for everything that's about to happen to the Cavs. Should LeBron leave? I mean, it, it's hard to not blame it on Kyrie at some point to say, well, Kyrie wanted out despite playing with the best player in the league, leading this team to three, um, possibly four straight NBA titles, elevating Kyrie's brand. You know, he has the number two best-selling shoe last year, uh, a top five selling Jersey, uh, a huge Pepsi deal, all that. Kyrie's a very marketable player in and of himself, but all that is due in part because he played alongside LeBron James and was able to play in these NBA finals now he's just kind of throwing it away. I, I is there is there any way you look at this where Kyrie Irving is a sympathetic character? No, unless it comes out that LeBron's camp actually leaked the information. Because if that is confirmed, right now it's just a rumor, then what better way to leave Cleveland if you leak it? And pin it on the other guy. If you believe in conspiracy theories, which isn't that far-fetched of one, if LeBron really wanted to leave Cleveland in 2018 to go set up his banana boat crew, what better way to do it than to make Kyrie Irving the fall man for your backdoor exit? So, look, I, I, I think that that's the only way that Kyrie Irving doesn't look like the bad guy in this situation. But to answer your question, yeah, everything you said... It's pretty much is what's going to go down. I mean, fans do not like it when players that they are close to demand for a trade. Kyrie Irving was the one guy on Cleveland who grew up in Cleveland. And, and I don't count LeBron James because he left. He spent four years in Miami. He didn't spend the whole time with Cleveland. You know, Kyrie Irving was the guy drafted and developed in this incarnation of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And so, you know, for him to go and ask for a trade, you know, Cleveland's a, a city that, you know, we, we've, we've been scorned by athletes before. I mean, those Indians of the 90s, I mean, Jim Tomei, LeBron James. I mean, we're not a city that, that enjoys this kind of thing, and I don't think any city really does. And especially when you're asking it to be trade when you are the clear number two guy on the clear number two team in the NBA. I mean, there's no question the Cavs are the number two contender right now. Well, maybe there is going forward, but before this request, there was no question. They were going to win the East, makes them the number two contender. And just thinking, three years from now, LeBron's going to be 35, Kyrie's going to be 28. Who do you think is going to be better then? I mean, if I know LeBron's great and he's defiant time, but he's not going to do it forever, and Kyrie's only going to get better playing on this team. I mean, if you just wait, you're probably the man in a few years. So he he has as good a situation as anyone in the NBA, and it's not good enough for him. So, so yeah, nobody's going to look at him as the good guy in this situation. He's going to be blamed for wrecking this three-year run. And I, I don't know what to think of it. I mean, if I don't know if he cares that much, but... I think deep down he he'll look back and and he won't appreciate being labeled that way. Yeah, I mean that's just how how it's gonna to work out. I mean, 
it should LeBron leave, Kyrie is is gonna shoulder the majority of the the blame for that. You know, heading into the end of this off season before this trade demand got uh got out to the public, it, people were getting. I was getting ready to blame the front office, particularly Dan Gilbert, for pushing LeBron away for the second time. I think they're I, – and they could have been more functional and not have, have been dysfunctional themselves this summer. But, you know, this trade demand by Kyrie, that kind of puts all that in in, in uh, as a secondary reason, and it, it's all on him. Um, Chris, if, if Kyrie does get moved, I mean – would you ever build a team around Kyrie Irving as as your number one guy? That is a tough question. Uh, so first off, let's just be fair to Kyrie Irving. The first four years he spent with the Cleveland Cavaliers, you got to take it with a grain of salt. I mean, they were tanking every year that year though during his first run. So to say he can't lead a team based on those four years – I don't think is really fair to Kyrie Irving. Oh, excuse me, three years. Excuse me, 12, 13, and 14. Excuse me, three years, not four. He was drafted in 2011. It's still, I don't think it's very fair to Kyrie Irving because the Cavs were trying to lose during that time. They were not giving him any support. To say that he can't be a number one based on those three years, I think is flawed. Because he is clearly a different player now than he was then. I think playing with LeBron has helped him, even though he no longer wants to anymore. And obviously winning an NBA championship and going to three straight finals has given him invaluable experience. Particularly, how to stay healthy. Because for the first three years, wasn't particularly healthy. Last three years, not counting 2015 withstanding, he's been relatively healthy. So, he's learned. And he's grown and he's become a better player. I do think he's one of the top players in the league. I have him in the top 15. So I think by that definition, he could be a number one. But but to answer your question, I worry that he's one of those guys who, as long as he's getting his numbers, everything's great. But if he's not, then it doesn't matter. And, and, and I worry that he might get painted in that light. And I, I don't want him to because I like him. I've enjoyed watching him. Heck, he's one of my favorite players. He's been a Cav for six years, and he's one of the most exciting players to watch. But when you go and do something like this, you're going to carry that reputation with you. And, and, and I don't know if I can fully trust him to be the number one guy on a team because you can't win it with just Kyrie Irving. I mean, it's look at Paul George the last few years. Paul George is better than Kyrie Irving, and he couldn't even win a title by himself. I mean, you've got teams out there with four superstars, with Golden State. I mean, you think Kyrie Irving by himself can beat the Warriors? No way. I, I, I'm just, you can't win it with just one guy. And so that's where I would be a little bit worried about, about building a team around him. Is, is he willing to defer when needed yeah i mean as it stands there are i'm not gonna say there are a handful of players that i'd rather build a team around uh i think Kyrie is 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 not going should he move uh whatever team he lands on he's not going to be successful unless he plays alongside a star forward um and maybe he just wants to learn that or maybe he wants to play along a forward that defers to Kyrie first um, but I, I think Kyrie is, is one of the best 
running mates number twos in the league and it's perfect for him because it lets him do he's so good offensively in certain facets of of his offensive game that it that it makes up for all the other deficiencies that that come with Kyrie Irving Uh, but he needs another star that is able to do those things that he's just is either average or subpar at Um, I don't know Uh, maybe he just needs to learn that himself but um, it's just it's really frustrating that you would choose to leave essentially pass up a uh, a chance to play in the NBA finals for just to be the number one guy. Uh, I don't know. It, it's just, it, it's hard to wrap my head around. Well, that, that's the most concerning part, but, but I think in his mind, he's not, I think in his mind, he thinks he can go somewhere else and, and still have that opportunity. It, as flawed as that thinking may be, I, I truly believe he believes that. Um, the one player I think Kyrie Irving could play exceptionally well with is Anthony Davis because Anthony Davis does not need the ball or command the ball to be effective. And there are a couple other forwards like that, but he's the one who comes to mind first because he can impose his will on a game in so many different ways and he plays so good in the pick and roll. I mean, that's kind of the perfect running mate for Kyrie Irving. I don't think those two are going to hook up, but... We'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens here. But focusing in on the Cavs, I just don't see how they win this scenario if they trade Kyrie Irving. The only way I think for them to salvage this is to repair the damage. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, Chris, with Kyrie Irving, obviously there's going to be some tension and dysfunction on the court for the Cavs. And without Kyrie Irving, assuming a trade gets done, uh, project how those potential Cavs teams are going to fare this upcoming season? Well, it's very hard to project the Cavs with Irving because it it all comes down to whether or not the guys in that locker room can welcome him back after essentially doing this kind of a move. Um, There could be a split in the locker room, the LeBron camp, the Kyrie camp, and and that could just send this team plummeting. So I I think the Cavs, unless... if they can't bury the hatchet, they have to trade him. There's no way around it. They will not win the East if this festers and fractures the locker room. Um, I do think even if they trade Kyrie Irving, that they will get a good enough return to win the East. Because I still don't think I still think a team built around LeBron and Kevin Love with two other parts, even if they are solid parts and not a superstar is good enough to beat anything the East has to offer, barring another move by Boston or Washington, because those are really the only two teams I see as serious threats to the Cavs in this state. But there's no chance in heck they're beating the Golden State Warriors like this. No way. First off, dysfunction Cavs against Golden State, they'll lose by 50 points every game. You can't be dysfunctional against a team that plays basketball so beautifully. And yeah, I said it beautifully like the Golden State Warriors and if they trade Kyrie Irving we'll see what they get maybe they can get some parts that match up and 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 you know kind of pester the Warriors better defensively but you're losing a lot of offensive firepower too and I just look man the Warriors can beat you in so many different ways two superstars to four I, I just don't see how the Cavs are more equipped to beat that team without one of the 15 best players in the league I'd have to wait and see what they got, but but I just don't see how the Cavs in either situation compete with Golden State. I think this essentially makes this 
year an overwhelming favorite for the Golden State Warriors. The the Warriors are overwhelmingly favored to win this year. Yeah, I mean, I I think a dysfunctional Cavs with Kyrie or or a Kyrie traded for some broken down assets and when i mean broken down like you've essentially split Kyrie irving into three functional players that that fit well into the the Cavs roster for, for this upcoming season i think either of those iterations are still good enough to win the eastern conference i don't think they'll uh you know win 10 straight games uh in, in the playoffs and and only lose one game uh in the eastern conference playoffs uh i think it'll be tougher because boston certainly got better with gordon hayward um, but as it stands, uh, the East is still the Cavs for the taking, it, assuming LeBron and Kevin Love stay healthy and the majority of the core, whoever's in the core of the Cavs is healthy. But yeah, I mean, Warriors obviously are favorites and have to be even more favorites now that this news has broken. And I would say, you know, the Spurs, and whoever comes out of the West, whoever is able to get through that gauntlet of fire is the favorite against the Cavs uh, just because I don't think the Cavs will come out of this better, better, uh, better than they were were last season. So um, it's a little disappointing. But that being said, uh, the West is so brutal that whoever the Cavs end up facing in the finals, should they get there, um, might be a little bit uh, worse off than, than this previous year's Golden State Warriors. So they might have a shot. But uh, if I'm looking at it, at it all on paper, taking into account what the Cavs are going through right now, uh, absolutely no way are they a favorite to win the NBA title. Uh, just one quick point. If Boston and Washington smell blood in the water, don't underestimate them pulling the trigger on a move. Maybe they were holding off a year, trying to wait out Cleveland. There's blood in the water now. I could see Boston saying, okay, our window's a little wider. Let's go for this. So I'm not confident that this this uh, makeup of Boston and Washington will be the makeup that they have to face in the playoffs. I think that they will try to get better if they see the Cavs teetering. And and I disagree with you, Bob. I think a dysfunctional Cavs loses in the Eastern Conference playoffs. I think the Cavs have to either be have buried this hatchet and moved forward from it or traded Kyrie Irving and be a cohesive team. Because I'm not about to sit here and underestimate Boston and Washington. I do think those two teams are good enough to beat you if you have internal problems. So I, I do not think the Cavs will win the East if they are not on the same page. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, I'm, I'm assuming that if the Cavs keep Kyrie and they get to the playoffs that they are mature enough to bury that dysfunction and, and realize that going to the finals is beneficial for all parties. I'm just assuming that I, I, I'm I'm hoping that they're not openly fighting on the court. Obviously, yeah, they're going to lose <laughs> in the playoffs if that's happening. Um, I assume they're mature enough to to recognize what's at stake in the playoffs. Um, secondly, you know, most of the guys that we've had heard rumor about moving for the past two years essentially have found new homes. Obviously, new names are going to come up, and and we're going to talk about. Uh, other other stars that, that are wanting out but as of right now I, I it's the same problem that we have for moving Kyrie I just don't see us big moves being available that the Celtics or the Wizards could pull off but again that's just so far down the road that who knows I, I agree with you I mean the the Cavs window is certainly uh looks like it's closing and that might mean it's time for the Celtics in particular to pull some triggers on moving their movable assets the Wizards uh aren't in as uh 
a lethal position to, to make some deals. But yeah, it, it's it's only going to get harder for the Cavs. I think this is going to be the most tense year yet uh, for the LeBron round two iteration of the Cavs. Uh, don't sleep on Mark Gasol. That's a name nobody's talking about. I, I, it'll be interesting to see if Memphis does anything with him. I'm not, I don't know anything. I'm just throwing it out there that Memphis seems like a team that might want to pull a trigger on a rebuild. And uh, Bob, doesn't just feel like 2010 all over again. I mean, doesn't just feel like, like I'm not saying they're going to be fighting on the court or anything, but you remember that 2010 playoffs, man. They, they just looked off on the court. Things were hanging over their head. I mean, maybe the tension of the season just is like LeBron's looking towards free agency and not engaged in the playoffs like he was in 2010. I, I don't know. That that that's what I have in mind. That uh, if if the Cavs allow this dysfunction to fester, that in the playoffs it's just going to reach a breaking point when when adversity hits them and they're they're just not going to be able to overcome it. That that that's my fear is that it's going to end like it did in 2010. Yeah, I mean, I, I can see that. Uh, I think this team is too talented, LeBron too mature at that point, and the East is too bad for for that to. For, for that to happen again but uh, again I can I mean 2010 is definitely a sour note uh, in Cavs history and I remember those playoff games well uh, I, I certainly don't want to live through that again well uh, obviously the story isn't going away I'm sure there'll be more rumors uh, we'll try to only talk about the most credible of rumors that, that come up with this stuff and, and obviously we'll talk about a Kyrie Irving deal should it get done uh, at any point um, but for now we're going to move out to some Cleveland news Chris football is ramping up uh, we're, we're getting closer and closer to some to some football action Browns training camp camp breaks this Thursday um, what are you looking at uh, to, to find out uh, once training camp opens? Call me a broken record, Bob, but once again, we're looking at the quarterback position. Uh, intriguing, Brock Osweiler, Deshaun Kaiser both brought in. Cody Kessler um, has the year under his belt, was drafted last year, though not with a high-round pick. They're certainly not committed to him being a franchise guy, but certainly – uh, the quarterback position is going to draw the headlines, and, and, and rightfully so, just given the, the Browns' woes with it. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, Brock Osweiler hasn't been moved or cut yet, so clearly the Browns are, are, are going to go with him and see if he can try and compete for the job. Cody Kessler, some people thought he showed some promise last year. Um, and, and then Deshaun Kaisers, the kid who people believe might be the franchise guy. So uh, we'll find out very soon if uh, the answer long-term is on the roster. Hopefully it is, and uh, hopefully it presents itself very soon because uh, it would be nice to finally have a, a uh, top-tier quarterback for a change, wouldn't it, Bob? Or just a functional quarterback that can start all 16 games <laughs> and, and maybe play two consecutive seasons. Um, yeah, you know – the, the quarterback crop that the Browns currently have uh, might be the most intriguing that they've had in a while. Now, that's still not what I want. I want a starter that I know is going to be good. Um, but I, I think they, they're out of all the guys that they have on the roster right now, th- there has to be somebody that, that has the talent and skill set to, to seize the starting job. Uh, I'm as optimistic as I can be for the Browns at the quarterback position based off of the history and talent that uh, that they have for, for all these quarterbacks on the roster. 
Well, yeah, I mean, let's not forget Brock Osweiler. He's played a lot of games. I mean, he played 12 games. He wasn't benched because of injury. He was benched because of, you know, performance, which is obviously the flip side, the bad side. But from a pure talent skills standpoint, he has the tools to be a starter-level franchise-type quarterback. Uh, Deshaun Kaiser also has the raw materials, the the physical makeup of that as well. So, yeah, there's a lot of reason for optimism. I'm not expecting Deshaun Kaiser to come in here and tear it up right away, by the way. Um, but I do think he has, he can grow into that role. And I'm excited to see if A, Brock Osweiler could reclaim what he showed in Denver and bring it to Cleveland, that version of him to Cleveland. Or B, Deshaun Kaiser can develop into the quarterback that he's projected to be. If either of those things happen, the Browns will have a fully functional quarterback at least for the next year. And, and if it's Kaiser, uh, they will have it for beyond. I, I'm not. I, I think Cody Kessler's ceiling is 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 a little bit lower than the other two. I, I don't think Cody Kessler's the answer long term. And and I, I honestly would be concerned if he won the job because I, I think both of those guys, Osweiler or Kaiser, should be able to beat him out if they are the answer long term. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, what other position are you looking at in training camp? Obviously quarterback, we're always going to be talking about that for the Browns, but what other, uh, position, uh, do you want to see some results in? Well, the secondary is going to be a giant question mark this year. I mean, first off, Joe Hayden can, can, is he ever going to get back to what he was before the injuries? It's looking like, like probably not Uh, a good thing. Jabril Peppers ended his holdout get him on the field he's projected to play in the secondary help out there but but Bob they brought in a lot of new faces in this uh, secondary and this was the one area of big need that that I don't think they addressed enough in the offseason so uh, certainly going to be interesting to see who fills out the secondary and, and whether or not Joe Hayden can can return to to, to form uh, so to speak I don't know if he'll ever be considered a, a one of the elite corners in the game again, but if he can get healthy and get right, he's still a very good option, and, and so that that would be uh, that would be something that I'm looking at as well because because that there, there's a ton of question marks back there. Yeah, for sure. Uh, question mark on the unit as a whole, and a big question mark on Jabril Peppers, just where he's going to play and how he's going to fit in. Uh, he was the second player the Browns drafted uh, in the first round, obviously. They, they have a lot of expectations of his talent and skill set, but um, he, he's kind of a tweener between linebacker and safety. Obviously, uh, he's more suited for that safety role, but um, he's probably at his most valuable when he's given more of a hybrid role. So that'll be interesting. And then, yeah, I mean, they, they made some moves in the secondary, but it was all just kind of reclamation projects. I'm looking at Calvin Pryor from the New York Jets. He's relatively young, but uh, has been regressing. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, Jason McCourty. Sorry. Uh, I, I want to say Devin McCourty. I knew that was wrong. Uh, that's his brother. So Jason McCourty, you know, 29 years old was a very solid corner for, for Tennessee for lots of years. Um, can he reclaim, um, some ability and, uh, and find a role? So yeah, a lot of questions in that secondary, um, kind of on the flip side on def- on the defense, I'm really excited to see uh, what this defensive line is capable of. Assuming uh, the the biggest question is is Miles Garrett going to be healthy uh, to to start the NFL season? Yeah, that's the money question because the number one overall pick better be healthy to start the NFL season because that would just uh, 
get the season off on the wrong foot, no pun intended, because that's the injury he's dealing with. But uh, all accounts seem to be pointing in the right direction, so so that's a good thing. Uh, I'm also looking at Larry Ogunjobi, because this guy, I hope he sticks on this team, because he is one of the best stories I've heard in a while. Uh, Just the defensive lineman, his background. I hope he he finds a way to contribute significantly on this team because I want him to stick around. He's one of the guys you like to root for. And and so, yeah, I think the defensive line has the potential to be a strength of this team. Uh, The front seven showed progress last year. They've really invested in in adding some depth to it. Uh, Definitely something to watch as a point of a positive point for the Browns that they could build their defense around a strong front seven and maybe that helps take some pressure off these uh, secondary guys Uh, but the other area I'm looking at is wide receiver cutting Gary Barnage and letting Terrell Pryor go those are your two best receivers last year got a lot of young guys uh, well except for Kenny Britt but Kenny Britt's always kind of Dealing with nagging injuries and whatnot, been a little inconsistent. Corey Coleman, this is kind of his true rookie year, so hopefully he can stay healthy and take a step forward. And then they drafted David Njoku, who projects to be the number one tight end, at least from a receiving standpoint, uh, just just because, I mean, I'm looking at the roster and... He better be their number one tight end because uh, he, he, he was first-round pick and certainly has a, a lot of athleticism and, and high upside. So uh, a lot of questions in, in the receiving core as well. For sure. I mean, they have a ton of second-year wideouts. Wide I mean, they drafted a ton of them uh, in last year's draft, Corey Coleman being the number one pick. Um, Kenny Britt, essentially the same age as Terrell Pryor. Uh, I want to see if he can uh, be serviceable and, re- and replace that productivity being the big body target that that TP was. And then I agree with you, David Njoku uh, is intriguing, can, can definitely be a star receiving tight end um seems like he has all the tools for it um it'll be really exciting to see him in in action as well Um, moving on to the cleveland indians though uh wrapping up a horrendous west coast trip against the a's and giants they bounced back with a sweep of toronto at home um no trades uh as of right now but that hot stove is only getting hotter and, and trade deadline is is less uh, about a week away at this point Chris the Indians are one and a half games above the the Royals the twins seem to be fading out of the playoff picture though they're just two and a half games uh out from, from first place they, they seem to be on the decline um wh- what are you making of the Indians position as they're heading into the trade deadline well it's always better to be in first than not in first so so certainly you know, you got a lot to be excited about, but but there's just something missing. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like this team has not played to its potential. There are people out there who are saying they don't need to make a trade. They just need to find some consistency. And I agree with that. If they don't make a trade, I still think they have all the tools in place to make a run at this thing. They've got a great bullpen, a great rotation, and an offense that can beat you up in a lot of different ways and a really solid defense. I mean, those are the four phases of baseball. They are above average to strong in all areas. So I don't think they need to make a trade, but I, I, I would be concerned given just how inconsistent some guys are. The good news is even though they didn't make a trade, Bob, is Danny Salazar came back to the rotation, and that is a very welcomed addition. Seven innings, eight strikeouts, only allowed one hit. Fantastic sign because this guy has the upside to be an ace, he's just got to find that consistency, man. He's been one of the more frustrating players to watch because you see all this talent and just 
for whatever reason, just just has a lot of inconsistency issues. So so hopefully this is a sign that Danny Salazar is straightened out and can be that number three hammer they need in that rotation. Yeah, for sure. That was a fantastic uh, first start back from, from the DL. So hopefully that is the Danny Salazar that we're going to get day in and day out uh, going forward. Uh, yeah, he's been really up and down, but when he's on, he's arguably their second best pitcher better than Carrasco and just behind Corey Kluber and at times has been better than Kluber, especially earlier in the season uh, last year. Um, speaking of Kluber, uh, had his start pushed back a little bit due to a sore neck uh, and looks like he needed that rest because when he came back, uh, 14 strikeouts and, and a dominant performance as well from him. So um, good to see that the rotation uh, seems to be, at least the front end, uh, operating on all cylinders chris as of right now the indians have a six-man rotation that's not going to last though who is the odd man out first off bob isn't it awesome that it's a bigger news story when Corey kluber doesn't hit double digit strikeouts i mean you go in every yeah. game expecting this guy to mow down 10 batters i, I it's it's insane 14 strikeouts the guy is just locked in on all cylinders right now he's a fantastic uh, just a fantastic member of the team, fantastic to watch, and I love that he, he has become one of my favorite players. Uh, but to answer your question about the sixth man, uh, if this is the Danny Salazar that we're going to get for the rest of the way, uh, he's definitely in the rotation. Look, man, you look at Mike Clevenger, how can you take him out of the rotation? He's pitched so well. I'd say he's easily their third best starter right now, and if Salazar is back to form, he's easily their fourth I mean, the two guys who have been the most inconsistent are Bauer and Tomlin. I think it's got to be between one of those two guys. And and I, I, it's kind of a talk. I, I, you can make the argument for both. Tomlin, I don't think, would be fair as well out of the bullpen as Bauer. But at the same time, Bauer's starting to kind of turn the corner a little bit. It's tough. I, I would say one of those two guys are the odd man out because I don't think you can afford to – to take Clevenger out now. He's just pitched way too well. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I wonder if that makes Tomlin, Clevenger, Bowers somewhat available on, at the trade deadline to to get something else. Uh, I don't know. Because um, I agree with you. I think Bauer would be the most suitable. He has that experience. I, I think from a performance standpoint, Tomlin would be the odd man out. But uh, that's not the kind of arm, as you said, that you want in the bullpen. So Definitely a decision uh, has to be made, and I think that those three guys are basically uh, need to treat every start of, as an audition, and if they have a particularly bad one, that might be uh, the start that sends them to the bullpen. Yeah, I mean, I'm just looking at, at Clevenger's game logs here. Last six games, the most runs he's allowed is two, three one-runners. Last two have been shutouts. He struck out nine, seven, four, four. I mean, this guy is just pitching amazing. He's a 2.73 ERA. 112 whip I, I just I can't see him leaving now now I agree it might make him available via trade but but if you're trading this guy you better be, get something really good because he's 26 years old has a lot of team control left and has shown that he could develop into maybe a top tier pitcher uh over the last couple years uh they better get someone really strong in return if they make Mike Clevenger available because he's not a prospect he is a a developmental piece who is pro ready. And so if I'm trading Mike Clevenger, I better get some, something real big in return. Yeah, for sure. I, I think, uh, 
you you would have to expect a, a good return but it, it's intriguing i mean with such a front heavy rotation heading into the postseason and with such a strong bullpen you know that those number four number five number six guys in the rotation become a little bit expendable so it'll be interesting to see what exactly they do hey man if the angels put mike trout on the table i'm not gonna say no to that yeah i'm not saying that's <laughs> gonna Clevenger's happen is available but, for that but i think they'd have to pony up a little more than clevenger to get mike trout but but the point is uh you know i'm not saying they're untradeable but if you're moving a guy like clevenger i mean you better you better get a good return yeah well very good point i think you'd have to trade the whole team for mike trout though um <laughs> yeah just, and just to eat his salary that's true yeah and to mike trout's credit i wouldn't immediately say no to that i would <laughs> i would actually give him give that a couple of uh passes over uh before saying no but um he he is super talented uh moving on to some golf though chris uh jordan spieth winning the the uh, i'm sorry excuse me uh jordan spieth winning the open not the u.s open um what, what are you making of that oh man this guy already has three majors he's only 23 years old he had the lead for a while then kind of lost it on the last day and then rallied to get it back which is kind of cool uh to see him face the adversity and then just you know hone in and, and get the job done he has won three majors and he's won three different majors u.s open the masters in, in that you know 2015 year we talked a lot about him uh and then now now the open so the only one missing from his repertoire is the pga championship you know at 23 years old obviously everyone's gonna say sky high expectations is he gonna get jack or tiger just turn down the volume a little bit and enjoy jordan spieth for Jordan Spieth, these things are not easy to win, uh, but but he certainly has the talent to to put away a couple more in his trophy bag, and and, and I certainly think that that the the sky's the limit for what this guy can do. He he's very fun to watch, and, and it's awesome that 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 he's bringing home another championship. Yeah, for sure, uh, definitely injects some enthusiasm, excitement in the game when when Spieth wins. So I, th- I think that's good for the game. Um, really cool to see him. Uh, winning some some championships at such a young age is pretty cool. Um, all right, well, let's wrap up with a fake headline. What do you got? Anthony Davis and Kawhi Leonard for Kyrie Irving. That's my fake headline. <laughs> he wants to be on the Spurs. Yeah. <laughs> There's no way the Spurs yeah. are training Kawhi. <laughs> I'll settle for it just Anthony me... <laughs> Davis. We'll we'll talk we'll we'll talk him down to just Anthony Davis. Yeah, that'd be legit. I think it's so funny that he has a list of preferred destinations. Like, dude, you, you have a no trade clause. Like Cleveland does not care where you want to go. They, they can trade you literally to any team they want. And you have to, like, you have to play for them for two years. I don't know. Yeah. What, 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 it's like, the, the reason he's floating that is because even though he doesn't have a no trade clause, teams now know where we want to play. And so everyone else would be hesitant to trade for them. So, it does give him a little bit of leverage. I get why he's doing it. I don't like why he's doing it, but I get why he's doing it. Yeah. I also like how uh, Jimmy Butler is quote-unquote recruiting him. It's like you, you can't recruit a guy. <laughs> like you're, you're recruiting him for two years. I don't know. It, the whole thing's infuriating. We already talked about it. it it's but. super infuriating, though, Bob. Super infuriating. Thank goodness they won in 2016 because if, if they had lost like 4-1 to one in 2016 and only won – four games in the NBA finals in three years, it would be even more infuriating, but thank goodness they got yeah. that. that. That's all I got to say. Cause yeah. but, not to end on a pessimistic note, but 
it really is feeling like this is the beginning of the end. Yeah, it, yeah, it, it certainly is. Um, one guy we we I mean I know we're wrapping up, but I mean another thing, another bombshell drops, and it has nothing to do with Kevin Love. I just I think it's so funny that after all the drama, he has been the most drama-free player on the Cavs. I mean, Kevin Love, it's just comical. Like I feel like everyone tried to make a big deal about Kevin Love, and there just was never anything there. And he took it like a champ, too. He took it like a complete champ. Like It must have been so frustrating to read all those reports and know that like half of them weren't true. Probably more like 80% of them. Yeah. I mean, day one of his free agency, he signs with Cleveland. There's no drama about it. Yeah. I, I love it. Anyway, my fake headline is pretty similar, so we don't have to talk a whole lot about it. But I just want a deal to get done uh, by the time we record again. Just get Irving out of here, and we can end that that drama. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen either. But we'll see. Maybe maybe my deal will get done, and then we'll both both our fake headlines will be there. Yeah, that'd be sweet. Yeah. Anyway, well, thank you for listening to another drama free. Uh, episode of Klee Talk. I've withdrawn my list because this episode went so well. So so Bob doesn't have to, you know, start looking for trade partners for me, obviously. Just kidding there. But uh, thank you all for listening. Please check us out on iTunes. You could search Fenley Road Sports and then uh, click Klee Talk. Uh, Klee Talk is pre- presented by FenleyRoadSports.com. You can go there and catch up on all our old episodes. You can follow us on Twitter or Facebook by searching Fenley Road Sports. And as always, we support we appreciate your support and hope you come back next week for another drama-free episode of Klee Talk. And hopefully we are either talking about Kyrie and a really good deal or we're not talking about Kyrie. Either way, I just want to be talking about something more optimistic next podcast. So go Indians, <laughs> win every game, give us something to cheer for because it's tribe time, baby. Yeah, certainly. Go tribe. I'll talk to you soon, Chris. All right. Take it easy, Bob.